Chapter 5 of On Two Feet and Wings by Abbas Kamaruzi. Murat led me up some dark, damp stairs covered in dirty green carpet. He was stocky with short, dark hair and deep-set brown eyes, and while he wasn't a huge man, he had a presence that couldn't be ignored. As I followed him, I noticed his slow, deliberate steps. We walked through a dim corridor to room 201, which was to be my home for the foreseeable future. He turned the key and opened the door only slightly so that I could not see outside. Good night, he said. Abbas, is it? Yes, I replied. Good night, Murat. I heard him whistle to himself as he walked away. I almost didn't dare open the door, but I was tired. I lifted my bags and pushed the door with my foot. It opened to reveal a tiny room with a big red, big bed in the center. It was covered with thick sheet and flanked by bedside tables on either side. The bed took up almost all the space. There was a banged up old cupboard with a sliding door at its foot and a small window, its frame covered in flaky blackish green mold, looked out on the street and that was it. I felt a chill. I had only seen rooms like this in movies. A cockroach to the left of the bed next to the door caught my attention. I didn't dare open that door yet. I patted the sheets, they were clammy. There were stains all over them, including several crimson stains, which made me feel queasy. I opened the door to the left of the bed and found a bathroom. Good thing I did because I was sick and threw up until I had nothing left inside of me. How I wished my mother were there, rubbing my back and trying to make me feel better. Finally, I stopped throwing up and raised my head to take a look around me. The bathroom was filthy. The red tile was mixed with patches of yellow paint covering random areas on the walls. A shower hung above me. There was a huge drain in the center of the slightly sloping floor, smudged with stains. Then I saw a sharp object poking out through the drain. It looked like a used syringe, which I knew was bad news. I went to the trash basket and took out the plastic liner. I used it as a glove, making sure the needle did not come in contact with my skin. Very carefully, I picked it up and turned the liner inside out so that the needle was at the bottom of the bin. After that, I washed my hands for what seemed like forever, soaping my arms up to the elbows like a surgeon, while I watched more cockroaches scuttling around the edges of the bathroom. How was I going to cope with all this? I kept finding myself close to tears, faced with having to solve the problems, one problem after another on endless list. My first night in Istanbul seemed like it was never going to end. I sat on the bed to think about my next move. I opened my suitcase and was putting all my clothes on the bed in a small piles, socks, trousers, jeans, t-shirts, shirts, sweaters, when I heard a loud noise. Someone was shouting in the street. I dared myself to creep to the window and take a peek. It was dark, and all I could make out was a man stumbling around with what seemed like blood all over his face. He was shouting like a wild animal. He kept falling over, but when he found anything on the street like bottles or cans or stones, he would pick them up and throw them at the building. Eventually, he threw a stone through a glass window, and within seconds, a light came on. A man leaned out and started to shout in Turkish. Then he disappeared, only to reappear with a big stick. He ran after the man in the street and began to beat him. I could hear every thud. Once again, I realized how vulnerable I was in this strange place, how I wished my father. And there it was. I suddenly remembered I had not called my parents. My watch read 3 a.m. It must have been dawn in Turin. 
Honestly, I did not want to leave my room, but the telephone was downstairs. I locked the door behind me and began to make my way slowly along the dark corridor. Then I ran down the two flights of stairs as quickly as I could. Murat was half asleep. Something wrong? He asked. No, I just need to... Did you see what happened outside? No, I said, pretending as well. I did not want to talk about it. I just want to use the telephone, I said. Yes, of course, he said a little distracted. You give me the number and then I will connect you. You pick up the phone in one of those. He pointed to the three little cubicles at the far end of the lobby. Okay, I replied. Can they call me too? Yes. May I have the number for the hotel, please? Sure. As he pulled out a card with the hotel's details, he said, Do you still want to make a call? Yes, I said. He looked at me and I thought he was trying to figure out if I had been crying. I didn't think he could tell as I had washed my face and I was acting a lot more confident than I actually felt. He handed me a piece of paper and pen and I wrote down my home number for him. I looked at my watch again as Murat dialed. What should I tell Baba? What should I omit? I was sure that if I told him half of what happened in Istanbul, he'd have me on the first plane home. There was no need to worry him more than necessary. I got my plan together. Mirat started to wave, and I could hear him saying, I have an international call for you from Istanbul. The phone in the first cubicle started to ring. I took a deep breath. Hello? I said, hoping for a friendly voice. Abbas, is that you? I heard my father say. I could hear both the anger and concern in his voice. Yes, Baba, it's me, I said softly. Where have you been? Why didn't you? Baba, I screamed. Take down this number and call me back at my hotel. Hotel? What hotel? He demanded. Baba. Call me and I'll tell you. I could not believe that I had spoken to my father like that. Suddenly, I felt a rush rush of power and it felt good. I gave him the number and put the phone down. I felt a little less worried about talking to him now, but I still expected a bombardment of questions. The inquisition was about to commence. I waited in the cubicle. Sure enough, within minutes, the phone rang. Even before either of us spoke, I could feel the intensity of my father's fury. Hello? Abbas, why are you in a hotel, he asked. What happened to the man who was supposed to pick you up? Once I found him, he told me to swap $10 at the bank. I told him you told me not to, but he insisted. Okay, he said, sounding curious. Then what happened? Well, I thought he was going to take me with him, as you said he would, but he insisted he just gave me a list of hotels and tell me where I could find a taxi. I could feel my father getting angrier as the silence grew, so I decided to continue with my account. I didn't know what to do, Baba. If I had asked for help at the airport, I was sure they'd send me back. So what did you do? I heard my mother's sweet voice in the background. Don't be so hard on the boy. He's trying his best. Is he all right? Just let me deal with this, Mirza. Will will you? Baba, is that Maman? Can I speak to her? No, you can't, my father retorted. You just tell me what happened next. Well... I went and found a taxi and started to look at the prices from the list that the man gave me. That idiot, he shouted. If I get my hands on him, Kareem, my mother interrupted. So what are the hotels like, Abbas? They're okay, Bala, I said, trying to sound like I meant what I was saying. And I got a good read, I think. The taxi driver helped me. What taxi driver? The one who drove me from hotel to hotel. He's gone, right? Yes, Bala. He's gone, I said firmly. So how much is the hotel? I hesitated for a while, and I did not know if my deal was good or not. I crossed my fingers. 6,500 lira a night for the first two weeks, and then 6,000 lira a night after that. There was a pause. I could imagine my father running the numbers as in head. That's not bad, Abs. Music to my ears from my father. That was a compliment. What should I do next, Baba? There was silence, and then I heard my parents arguing. 
Just let me speak to him for a few seconds, Cream, I heard my mother beg. Please. The boy is traumatized. I don't need him to be more upset. He's my son, too, she said, her voice rising. Let me speak to him now. Not until you're calm, woman. I am calm, she screamed. What do you think you are? Baba, I said quietly, but there was no response as they continued to argue. Baba, I called louder. What? He snapped. Why can't I speak to Maman? Because you will upset each other. Well, I'm going to see you soon anyway, right? There was a pause. I was convinced he was going to tell me how to get back to Iran. However, the longer the silence stretched, the more I worried that this might not happen. Baba? Yes? I'm coming home, right? I don't think you should, Abs, he said softly. My worst nightmare had come true. I could not believe that my father was going to, to let me, no, make me stay in this hell. I felt tears roll down my cheeks. I did not want my father to know that I was crying, so I didn't speak. I think he was trying to choose his words carefully in order to make me feel better. However, at that moment, I needed more than a few carefully chosen words. I needed more confidence. I needed to be older. And most of all, I needed my parents. Alternatively, I need a miracle. Abs, he said, you still there? Yes, I murmured. You're going to have to be strong now, Abs, he said. You're going to have to be a man. What could I possibly say to this? I could not tell him that I couldn't cope. I didn't want him to be disappointed in me. All my life he had told me how much he expected of me, so I held my tongue. Though deep down I did not know what I was going to if I was going to survive or how. I did not know what to do or who to trust, and from what I had seen that night, I did not know if I was going to live to see another day. Abs? Yes. You've already shown me you can handle yourself like an adult, he said. I bit my tongue. I was scared to death, and all I wanted was to have my mother hold me. You got a taxi all the way from the airport and look around at a strange city for a good hotel. It is a really good hotel, right? Uh, I guess, I said. And it's in a good area, right? Yes, I said, resigning myself to lying. I was not worth, it was not worth both of us feeling bad. I had understood that my father carried the responsibility for my safety solely on his shoulders. My mother had wanted no part in this. He probably felt guilty for sending me off alone, and I didn't want to add to his guilt. Yes, my father continued. If you can get a taxi in Istanbul, go around and compare rates and find a good hotel all by yourself, then there's no reason why you can't do everything else by yourself, is there? I couldn't bring myself to answer him. Is there, Abs? No, Baba. Good. Then it's settled. I wasn't sure who he was trying to fool. Baba? Yes, he said. What exactly do I have to do? I asked. Well, you have to get to the British Embassy somehow, he said, thinking quickly. There you have to get to try and get a visa. I have to exchange money first, Baba, to pay for the hotel, I said. They want payment weekly in advance, and I've left a $50 deposit until I get lira. Then I get my 50 back. Right, then that's what you have to do, he said. But don't, I know, don't swap it at the bank, I said. I'll find a black market dealer like you told me to. Good lad, he said, getting excited again. Good lad, I told you that you could do it. Just ask someone Persian tomorrow where they swap their money and then go get it from the same place. You can bet they would have found the best deal. Okay, I said, not totally convinced. And what shall I do at the embassy? Ah, uh, yes, he said. At the embassy, you'll find a little difficult because they don't speak Farsi. They only speak Turkish and English. So what shall I do, Baba? I'm guessing that there will be some Iranians there. Ask one of them to help. 
Never be shy to ask for help. Just choose who you ask carefully as they may try to take advantage of you. How do I know who to choose? I asked. That's a good question, son, he said. I'm still trying to work that one out for myself. It's about knowing who you can trust or not trust. Some people have it in them to know and some don't. It's like a sixth sense abs. We'll soon find out if you have it or not, but I think you do. I do? I think so, son, he said. I think so. For the first time during the conversation, I felt a little better. The fact that my father thought I had something that most people don't have was great. So if I get someone to help me, Baba, I inquired, what do I tell them at the embassy? The truth, Abs, he said firmly. Always tell them the truth, because if you don't, they'll find out and you'll never get to England. Okay. Tell them that you had to leave to avoid going to war. Tell them that your father believed that that was the best thing for a child of your age is education and that you were not going to be allowed to get it in your own country. Tell them that the regime was so determined to drag you into the war that they stopped your parents from leaving with you. Tell them that you want to go to England to stay with your cousin, Mehdi, who has lived there for 14 years and has a British citizenship. He has agreed to be your guardian. He is a chef if they need to know that. They will need no docu- They will need documentation. Write down what they ask for and I will call you around 9 o'clock your time tomorrow night. You can tell me what documentation is needed and I'll get it to you as fast as, fast as I can, okay? It seemed so simple to him, but that was a lot of information for me. I was scared that I would get it all wrong. Okay, I said, abs. Yes, Baba. Be careful, my boy. Don't leave the hotel at night. I wasn't going to, I said. I couldn't tell him that having seen when I had, I preferred to avoid leaving the hotel even during the day. Good boy, he said. Baba, I said gently. Yes, abs. Can I speak to my mom, please? Not tonight, son, he responded. I knew he had sensed the deprivation desperation in my voice and he still had to say no maybe tomorrow i had no energy to argue with him but i missed my mother more than anything else now go to bed abs he ordered you must be tired yes i am say good night to mama and for me i will good night baba good night son he said oh abs yes we're proud of you son i put the phone down unable to breathe I was glad that it was late, that I didn't want anyone to see me like this. I calmed myself, then opened the cubicle door, crept past reception, and ran up the stairs. I opened the door to my room to see if my clothes were still on the bed, and I slowly started to put them away. All I could think about was finding somewhere to swap money the next day and not getting ripped off, then finding the embassy trying to find someone to help me communicate there. It was all too much. I turned off the light and crept to the side of the bed, but I could not force myself to lie on it. I switched on the light again and then edged my way onto the bed. It was cold and the sheets were damp. A small, chilly draft was whistling through the gaps in the window. Every little noise was apparent to me. The flapping of the curtains was making me feel as though I was being watched. Every shadow in the room looked enormous, like an enormous monster. I was so tired but I did not want to sleep for fear that I would not wake again. For the first time that night, my sobbing had a sound. I was hungry, I was thirsty, and most of all, I was homesick. The night just didn't want to end, and yet after minutes of crying, minutes that seemed like hours, I drifted into sleep.